What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Average Looking White Dudes with Glasses and Beards. This is actually the FN story. Uh, I'm joined alongside my good friend, Panda. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's up, man? Listen, good to be back. Good to be a repeat uh, customer of the FN story. Yes, I paid him to be here. Uh, I had a lot. I got a lot of shit on Twitter recently, so Oof. I got to pay to get exposed. I'm, I'm just kidding, guys. It's fully a joke. <laughs> uh but no man listen it's good to be back i'm i'm pumped to get to talk to you again awesome awesome thanks for joining man i know we talk all the time but it's nice to to have you join and for you guys joining listening if you are on any kind of platform please leave a comment or review or reply really helps the podcast a lot would greatly appreciate that but let's dive right in mr panda let's talk about what you're working on recently you've started to post these like real i don't want to say edgy but like well produced kind of just conversational pieces on Twitter. So like what inspired that? And let's talk about some of the things that, that you've talked about already. Yeah, no, of course. So uh, this is a new series I've been kind of uh, for you, as you know, cause you and I talk a lot uh, for years trying to figure out what kind of content I wanted to produce in the scene. And like uh, there's a lot of great analyst content. Like obviously Reese hub is crushing it when it comes to like top tier quality analyst content. And I looked at that and I was like, you know what, maybe that's not for me. So like, I try to figure out some, another lane. Right. And then I was like, okay, well like who am I and what value can I bring that no one else is really touching right now? And so I thought back to me as a person, my background, uh, for those that don't know, like I come from a corporate background. I worked for Fortune 500 companies like Disney, Marriott, um, the Kushner Company, which is a big real estate uh, investment company. Like I've done a lot uh, in my personal work life uh, before I started working in esports. And so I was like, okay, so I have all this business experience, right? What if I take the business, the business acumen that I have and blend it with my love and passion for Fortnite? And so that's what's created what I've been kind of like calling behind the scenes the full picture series. It's not that's not what I'm officially calling it. I don't know if I will ever officially call it anything, right? But it, it's a series of videos where I, I give in-depth thought and an analysis on the decisions that are made within the business of Fortnite, right? And so the first video, which was probably the most conversational of the bunch, was a prize pool video. I talked about the current state of Fortnite prize pools. Um where they are at and and while there's an open discussion about oh we need more prize pools we need them dispersed different we need this and that i broke down why the prize pools most likely are the way that they are and i also broke down how how great our prize pool ecosystem is in comparison to any other esport and so uh, i talked about that a little bit in depth that caused a lot of conversation uh but that was the point of these videos right okay. is i want to educate and start conversations that other people whether they don't want to do it for their brand's sake or whatever else, like they, they avoid doing, right? So uh, a good example of this, I was going to talk about uh, the Russia situation with players. You and I talked about it last week. That was going to be last week's video, um, but I scrapped it because there's just too many thoughts that it's hard to it's hard to give a full like breakdown of the situation without full context from every party right yeah and it would just take too much too much to do um but i've re like i retweeted some thoughts on it and, and whatnot but it, those are the conversations i want to have so that i can share my understanding that most people in the fortnite scene don't have because they're younger they don't have that business experience they don't understand what's going on behind the scenes of a multi-billion dollar company at, like i do so we'll get back to the whole Russia situation in a second, but like, yeah. let's talk about the prize pool because I think Reese also actually just teased this morning that he's working on a video about the solo cash cup prize pool or at least prize pools in general. It's a topic that comes up pretty much every season as soon as prize pools are announced. And it seems like regardless of whatever the prize pool is put out, everyone is upset because the bar was set at a hundred million dollars for world cup. And since then we've pretty much come down year after year and over the past couple of years, kind of flatlined as far as like large prize winnings for the, the total community, which isn't a bad thing. I think it's about 10 to 15 million in prizing um, per year over the past two, three years, which is yeah. still a lot of money, but well, at the same actually, time, this year alone, over $16 million in prizing. Okay. 
So it's about right to the 10 to 15. Yeah. So 16, it was like, I actually had Lash do the numbers. Shout out Lash. He's like, shouts out. He's, he's just full of information all the time. But no, it was like over $16 million this year. And it was a similar prize pool last year. Um, and that was one of the things I talked about in the prize pool video was like the cost, not only frontline costs of a prizing, right? You have to pay uh, all the support team uh, at Epic, which I'm sure salaries at Epic are not small. No game dev salaries are small, right? So let's say you have another $2 million in salaries, right? Let's just say hypothetical. And then you and I know this one oh too well, production cost. Oh, yeah. Uh, to produce an FNCS, and mind you, I am not saying this based on numbers that have been given to me. I'm basing this off of my experience and overall knowledge of the space. I would say each FNCS to produce a, a live show in Copenhagen would cost anywhere between two hundred and five hundred thousand dollars, depending on if you include Media Day into that or not. So, like people don't realize, there is millions and millions in spend outside of the actual um, prize pools themselves, and it's millions in spend that other esports don't necessarily do the same of, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, look at you look at like Call of Duty for example. Obviously, Call of Duty is one of the more established esports and that's been around for a bit. Obviously, they're they're going through some rocky stuff right now. Um, but you look at like the Call of Duty Raleigh show when we saw it was like a major Raleigh uh, event. Our stage in Copenhagen was nicer than their set at the Raleigh Convention Center. Which, I mean, we're we kind of uh, I think we had some bias too because we got to experience the Invitational at the same venue, and you could see such a drastic difference. And you're like, okay. Yeah, maybe like maybe Call of Duty's more established. Maybe they're getting more viewers right now. But like Fortnite definitely went all out in their presence in that invitational. Right. That made me look at that major like, dang, I'd rather be in Copenhagen looking at the stage that we have <laughs> than than what they produce in that space. But uh realistically, I, I love these conversations. I love having them and I, I hope to continue to have them more. The next step for me is I'm gonna post a video and then that night or the night after. I plan on doing like Twitter spaces. Mm. So hopping on and having these, these debates that are happening in my comment section in a, in a voice format for the same audience. So uh, that's the goal within the next month or so is to start doing those regularly. But I I definitely want to get a little bit of structure to that before I just start throwing people uh, in the Fortnite scene, a a, a voice. And all of a sudden they're screaming racial slurs or doing whatever, (laughs) like, because like, obviously we, we know a lot of people in the Fortnite space and not everybody is like that, but you have to be careful of who you platform in a way like that. Yeah. And I think one of the things people have started to take for granted as far as prize pools go is like how many opportunities there are for people to earn money. That is just like most games have this one track And if you're not one of the top players, you're not earning money. Like, there are possibilities in a solo cash cup, a zero build cash cup, a duo cash cup. There's third-party tournaments. There's freaking ladders, like, every week. I mean, between Manu, Noble, Practice Server, Bryson, there's somebody hosting a money prize prizing type of tournament pretty much almost every day of the week or at least once a week you could find some way to make some money which is very much taken for granted in Fortnite. i feel like people don't appreciate how much money is being thrown around and the availability of being able to earn things because even some of those smaller tournaments aren't going to have a full top tier pro lobby in them so it gives people chances to earn money and you know if you're a pro and you're willing to enter some of those i mean we were just talking about a player earlier pump pump is willing to like play in any tournament dude just loves the game and wants to compete so like he's all about joining and playing in tournaments which is sick uh yeah i mean uh, the point though is that there's so much money being thrown out there for the general player base that people need to understand this is not a regular thing in other games well and that's the conversation we need to start having and i and i plan to have more of those in the future videos but the conversation needs to stop comparing to what we used to have and it needs to be compared to other esports at the same time because like i I, i've talked to rocket league casters for example that are like dude your bubble scene is is phenomenal and i'm looking at them like what do you mean bubble scene right 
And so uh, bubble scene is like, if you don't know at home, is, is this scene of events that happen through the third party system. Um, other esports titles don't really have them, right? Like Warzone has the official uh, WSOE, and now they occasionally have like an E-Fuse event, right? Like this Nicki Minaj event that's coming up. Um, Rocket League occasionally has some third party events. They're much, much smaller in prizing than any of like the regular ones we have. Um, and then like forget like Overwatch or or Valorant, right? Like or League. Like the League and Valorant have some stuff, but like the the open eco- ecosystem and the available money doesn't exist really outside of Fortnite. And so like we have to stop comparing to the World Cup days because those World Cup days are long gone. There was a an article that came out the year after saying how Epic looked at World Cup as like a flop to them um financially in a business decision so obviously they're not going to go back that route but the the amount of support that fortnite still gives to the the comp scene despite it being less than one percent of the actual player base is actually pretty awesome and and hopefully i think players will start to with more conversations players will start to realize this i know like i've had conversations and and some people have really appreciated the videos like cease and tk have commented on them positively like they like that this information is going out there um it does seem to be a lot of the the EU side of things don't want to have a more open discussion about this stuff, but nevertheless, that is fine with me. I, I just want to start these conversations and no, I am allowed like for anybody that is questioning whether or not I'm allowed to have an opinion of my own. Well, guess what? I'm not. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding guys. I, I genuinely can say whatever I want at any point in time. Uh, I know that was part of uh, some of my, the responses to my stuff and we'll dive into a more, intricate subject when we talk about the russia players but um yeah no listen i I say what i say i say what i want to say but i also don't go on twitter uh to farm impressions off of the backs of what will be the popular opinion if i feel like something needs to be adjusted changed i go a different route a more effective route to get those things adjusted and sorted and uh obviously not everything happens overnight but i i also don't go out, out of my way to tell everybody what i'm doing well i think one of the things that i've learned just from being around you is like you're one of the most positive if not the most positive person that i've ever met and like some people think it's just an act and like at first i've told you this at first i thought it was just an act i was like no way is this guy this fucking nice all the time but like it's true like you're just always so nice to people and then that positivity shows on twitter and people are like no way is this real no way is like this guy like this but it's true like you genuinely believe these things that you talk about um which then kind of once you understand your mindset makes a lot more sense to the the things that you put out on Twitter, the opinions you give and kind of the, the mindset that you project on your social media, because that's kind of just who you are. So um, let's not get stuck in the prize pool conversation. Like the videos. (laughs) I do like how you've been putting out this kind of content um when we first talked about it i was like oh like a chael sonnen kind of video like somebody just out here saying like yeah dude like this is how it is and that's very much appreciated by me and it seems to be appreciated by some and discussed by many others which is good for your social media views as long as they keep uh keep coming and and talking some smack on every single video well and that's the thing right like again a lot of people do this uh, with the intent to to grow their content, right? If I wanted to gr- like focus on content growth and less on discussion, I would solely post this stuff on YouTube, right? But I want this stuff to be on X, right? I want this stuff to be easily accessible to the audience that I have established in a way that will start those conversations, right? And I'll grow the YouTube separately and, and do stuff and find ways to monetize those things in the future. But right now my focus is the conversation because not enough people are having it, at least not in our space. But I know you and I have the conversations all the time. Now I get to take some of the conversations that we have and just put it into a video form and and say my piece, whether and, anybody likes it or ultimately doesn't. And I feel like as much as people hate on Elon Musk for what he's done for Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it, like the platform to me genuinely feels better. 
I do feel like a little bit, bit of a bitch paying for a social media platform. Um, <laughs> not exactly a fan of that, but like ultimately, I've been able to put these entire podcasts on Twitter. I'm putting an hour long discussion on Twitter, and yeah. I was never able to. I think it was like two minutes twenty seconds was what it previously was. So, just that possibility, the ability to share longer posts, kind of helps me, and I do appreciate the kind of conversations that it has created around your content too because again that's like a six to eight minute video would not be able to be posted previously where all this discussion would be had so let, let's um let's shift gears a little bit you also have been creating youtube content but for influencer bo- boxing yeah now Tell me uh, more about that because I am not a big fan of influencer boxing. I don't really care for it, but you seem to be very involved and in, in creating content on a regular basis. Yeah, no. So I'm very big, and you've known this about me because we've talked about it with Fortnite specifically, but I'm very big on like only putting my efforts into something that I enjoy, right? So like for me, I, I'm passionate about Fortnite. That's why I'm here. Like I love Fortnite. It, uh, there's only one other game that I would ever consider casting. It's Halo. And you and I, again, have had that discussion. But, like, um, when I'm passionate about something, I like to give my energy to it. And I love the crossover boxing stuff. Uh, like, the drama around the the sport. Like, I love boxing in general. But then this crossover space is like, introduced what I love about, like, my everyday influencer and put it into what I love about the sport. And so um, I've decided to start creating content around it doing some more stuff in that space. And uh, while I haven't been posting it as much on Twitter, originally I was going to post the boxing video and the Fortnite video on Twitter each week. I felt like it was, uh, it was causing some um, delusion of like the boxing content. And I, and I'd rather that go to the, to the people in a platform that would want to see it. So I'm leaving that just straight to YouTube now. But um, when it comes to uh, that type of content, I want to, I want to bring a like a voice that is more casual, um, but still has a good understanding of like what's going on, right? Because I feel like we have uh, in in the crossover space, crossover boxing space, we have a lot of like uh, ta- super talented creators that are either like super analytical and it gets kind of boring, or they're like um, they're a- they're analytical, but sometimes they're like. Like they're just kind of trying to do things to like stretch things, right? So it isn't necessarily like as like valuable. So I'm trying to do like once a week because I enjoy it. Throwing up a a video. Shout out to Shots by Zach behind the scenes. He's been helping me with those um, because he's got a really good boxing understanding as well. So he's helping me with the editing portion, making sure that clips play where they're supposed to play, all that stuff. So it's cool. We got a cool dynamic going for for the crossover stuff. But like, there's so much stuff that I've been working on. even outside of that, uh, you and I have had some base conversations. 2024 could very well be a very big year. I can't say too much yet, um, but we'll, we'll see. And Before you move on, where can people find those boxing vi- videos if they want to? Uh, it's Panda Boxing on YouTube. You guys heard it, Panda Boxing on YouTube. All right. Now, 2024, can you share anything that um, you've got going on or have plans? I can't. But I can hint that it's going to be a big, big year with a lot of really cool stuff for a certain video game scene. Wow. Groundbreaking words that mean absolutely nothing from Mr. Panda. You guys (laughs) heard it here first on the FN story. Just like uh, Rad, the owner of agent came on here and said yeah we have a professional football player that is our main investor and he will come on here at one point panda said he's going to do things for a video game that is big at some point next year so you guys get to hear the craziest things on this podcast if you get to listen some absolutely (laughs) first breaking news um so expect panda to put out more stuff coming in the near future um now, you've been really involved in the collegiate space. I haven't necessarily uh, been following that as deeply, obviously, as you have. So what all have you been working on in, like, collegiate Fortnite specifically? 
Um, I've been working on a lot. Uh, so uh, there's been some things that I've I've been very fortunate enough to partner directly with Epic on, and other things that I partner with Efuse on to create some really cool stuff uh, for the collegiate space in general. Um, right now, we're doing the the CCA Creative Series, which is um, all based out of the new Campus Corner map, which has been a long time coming. Uh, 404 Creative did a phenomenal job on the map and all the extension maps that go in it. But basically now, in throughout a collegiate season, they compete within Campus Corner on these different collegiate-based maps. So we have like Niner Esports, which is UN, UNC uh, Charlotte. Their school has a map in Fortnite, and it's one of the, the maps that are being competed on, right? Hmm. And so it's it's really cool new way to include schools and, and get them involved uh, in a big, big way. On top of that, um, I think it's public and well maybe i'm sharing a, an exclusive uh here for you but there's going to be like many different faces and banners and things potentially coming to campus corner so we'll see we'll see what happens you obviously have to hop into the map hop into the hub if you haven't already it's a really cool hub uh and then play some of the game modes hard point and so many more like it's a lot of fun i find myself playing it with uh ben lash and a few others quite often uh when it's not just us casting it or, or prepping for it in shows yeah i love to hear that because the collegiate space is something that's kind of been underdeveloped over the past couple of years it's been an yeah. initiative that epic definitely wants to happen because it continues to be a thing but ultimately i feel like it hasn't taken that amazing leap that we've seen from some of the other collegiate spaces and i think this is a good segue into kind of uh a tweet i sent you from genji arnold is like there's not those rivalries there's not that smack talk there's not the you know ohio state versus uh michigan or like a unc versus nc state or duke like these rivalries are things that have driven collegiate sports forever and i think the the campus corner is going to be a possible way to do that and try and get people that don't care about Fortnite or video games in general. But it's like, bro, we just beat UNC in Fortnite. Then, you know, there's someone that's like, oh, hell yeah. I love that just because yeah. you've beat your rival. So that that's a cool thing to see is the development of the collegiate space and hopefully get more fandom from this creative series into, like, people that don't, normally watch video games or Fortnite just because you know you're beating another college that you've heard of versus three random players that you would never know what school they went to yeah and that's uh i think that's part of the big shift uh if you don't know collegiate events up until this season have primarily been competed on in uh the battle royale and so we over the the spring semester we actually went out to schools and tested um these schools in creative so we took some of the the early release creative maps that are now part of the campus corner and we were using them to to test out live in these schools and host these events and support these events uh, around the nation and so it was a really cool initiative that i got to be a part of myself ben k um we did a lot of work behind the scenes to make to make those uh, a reality but we got to travel. We got to do some incredible things. And what that taught us is that those school rivalries, like you mentioned, are are some of the best. And it was some of the most effective ways to get students who don't typically play Fortnite or don't participate in Fortnite tournaments to play Fortnite. When we went to um, so we went to Southern University uh, Law Center in uh, Baton Rouge, and when we were there, we had LSU competing. We had um, we had Southern University. We had a few others, all compete. They all traveled from the local area to compete at Southern University on this map. And the the smack talk and the rivalries, the jumping up and screaming into the crowd, like it was just, it was it was special. And it was that rivalry that esports as a whole has lacked. Um, not just Fortnite, but Fortnite obviously has lacked it in a bigger way. But um, it's that rivalry aspect that just hasn't been there. And I, and to be fair, COD, I think, kind of tried that with their franchising. 
and they tried to attach the areas to it. So it's like, oh, support Atlanta, so, like Atlanta phase, like so, support all these areas. But it really didn't necessarily work out, um, I think, the way they expected it to. But I think it comes down to something that needs to be built out uh, in a big way. And I think it starts with collegiate because collegiate has the established um, the established scene already. You take the school. They A lot of these schools have esports programs. If not, they have esports, uh, esports clubs. And you just get them to play. And that's all it takes because – you know as well as I do, NC State will be talking some smack to a UNC Fortnite team. <laughs> like, uh, so I, it, would, it would be a lot of fun. And I'd see, I could see SVG coaching NC State from above. Like, but no, it, I, it genuinely it would. Um, I think it would bring a, a, that initial push to to proper not franchising but proper team making uh, for what we're doing in our collegiate space in Fortnite. Um. But long term, it's so hard to look like I keep asking myself, like, what if the NFL just made the E the E NFL, right? And it's like all the NFL teams, but they all esports teams, but they do every esport. You know what I mean? Mm. Like imagine yeah. imagine you and I, right? Miami Dolphins Fortnite team versus the the Jets Fortnite team. You know you and I'd be going back and forth the whole time. Like oh, yeah. It, and it would be fun, and it would get us engaged in a way that people aren't engaged now. So, long term, I think there's a lot of things that can be done uh, with, and it, I think it all starts with Collegiate Fortnite, and that's why I'm so passionate about it because I think Collegiate Fortnite um, easily can be one of the biggest products under the Fortnite umbrella, uh, just like I think competitive Fortnite can be as well. But we have to make the right steps in the right directions. Unfortunately, uh, competitive Fortnite is too big for me to have like a good way to push people in the right direction to do the right things and to create a good ecosystem. The collegiate Fortnite scene, however, I have a lot of pull in and I have a lot of like a lot of um, influence over. So I'm trying to start here. Proof of concept. Maybe I can convince the, the competitive Fortnite scene to, to change some things, do some more things. Nevertheless, there's so much that I could talk about on this space, but for sure it's been one of the passion projects I've been working on over the year. Cool. I, I love to hear that. And Similar to those lines, I'm going to bring up some college football stuff and then read a tweet from Genji Arnold, the CEO of Genji, um, who said something that I pretty much agree with. And I think we're lacking some of those bodacious, um, not super family friendly smack talk conversations and figures within esports in general. So this all comes from last week, uh, Colorado State played Colorado uh, in Boulder, Deion Sanders is like the biggest uh, head coach, most out there personality in all of collegiate sports at the moment. He's every every week. There's some headlines about something, and the opposing coach said something along the lines of, "I'm paraphrasing here. I'm an adult. I take off my glasses and hat when I walk into a room." And so then Dion decided, hey, I'm actually going to make a whole stunt about this and screw you, dude, because I'm going to give my entire team brand new sunglasses and they can wear them whenever they want. And, you know, I'm you guys are grown men. Do what you want. That's kind of paraphrasing the thing. And so then Gen G Arnold's comment was this drama is what makes sports great. Whatever disagreements you have off the field creates a reason to watch and you settle it on the field. I've changed my view on this in my years working in esports. The model doesn't work if we keep letting brand sponsorships be the only revenue model because they will naturally want to de-risk and sanitize the conflicts inherent in the human element that makes sports great. I hope our industry slash audience can lean in harder to letting players be themselves and showcasing the good and bad consequences of letting that happen. There are definitely some lines that shouldn't be crossed, but at the moment we are drawing drawing them far too safely. So for me, I, I kind of very much like feel the same way. And at first I was much like, oh, dude, players need to stop talking smack. We can't be having all this. But, you know, now the more I think about it, as long as like, like he says, you don't cross certain lines, right? You don't talk about people's families or bring up yeah. some random drama or some it, it's all good fun that just entertains the viewers and makes people care so yeah. ultimately i feel like 
both sponsors and then also developers have kind of purified the space to try and make it like this beautiful, no smack talking, GG, good game, I love you at the end of every game, which just in is not how humans compete. When you compete, you don't like the other person that's on the other side. And then in turn, it creates this whole other conversation. So just would love to, to get your thoughts. I thought that was a, a cool piece as we were talking about like the rivalries in collegiate. Well, let me, I can kind of just add to this, right? Like the first thing I think about when it comes to the Fortnite scene and this, this conversation, right? Think about Queasy. Think about how big Queasy got for his clips of desk slamming, right? <laughs> He, he's obviously a phenomenal player, don't get me wrong, but like the virality around his name, a lot came from his anger and excitement around competing. Same thing with Kanata. Kanata was the same way. His competitive nature is what helped him grow such a big, uh, a mass, a big following and, and get people engaged in watching him. Now, if you go to YouTube right now and you type in a ton of the top competing Fortnite players and you look at Kanata's views and Queezy's views, and you look at some of the other competing players who are doing uh, just as well, if not in some cases better, guess what? Those numbers aren't going to compare. Another example, clicks. He's a personality. People are drawn to him because of how he is when he's competing, right? He's a competitive person. When he's in there, his, his energy and his personality breaks through in a big way, and it makes people excited to watch, right? More of that has to be done in any competitive esport ecosystem to make people interested. And I think that's what Fortnite uh, as a whole, not necessarily Fortnite the game, but Fortnite the community has has always kind of struggled with is building the narratives around the players. I, I see like even um, more recently, like in the last year, year and a half, we've seen these media day pieces and stuff come out about the players. And I feel like they're, yes, that's good. That's a good step in the right direction. But a lot of it avoids what, what he was talking about here in that post and, and what you agree with, too, is, is that there isn't enough um, 1v1 narrative pushes, right? There's, there's not enough of this, okay, this team versus this team. They're both landing on each other. Put them in a room together and see what they say, right? Because there could be some fun conversations. And we did some of that uh, when we were at Gamers 8. And you could tell through that content, like, if that content was more widespread, there would be a lot more conversations about those teams leading into, obviously, the distribution of content as well as a, a whole nother topic because it has to happen consistently. It can't just happen once and all of a sudden everything blows up. But um, I think uh, this is a, a huge open market for someone to come in, like, you find a creator, right, and host, like, a weekly Smack Talk YouTube series where it's literally, like, uh, I don't know, you get, like, clicks in Epic Whale, versus uh oh, who was he 1v1 in the other or 2v2 in the other day polarized it was polarizing canada and the smack talk that was happening on the stream was insane between these two teams imagine you put them together and you're like okay listen you guys won 2v2 the other day talk about it talk about who's the better team ask ask the questions that get them riled up like hey uh epic whale and clicks won that why do you think they beat you is it because they're better and, like, you know Kanata and Polarize are going to light up the moment uh, questions like that are asked. So I think um, there's definitely an open space for it. It's just a matter of somebody, either somebody taking the reins and doing it, or we have to build it in some other way and let it, like, fester and grow in a way that would take probably years and years. Uh, and finally, we'll get a similar buy-in. I think the only esport I know that, that does kind of have that now is League of Legends. Yeah, there are definitely rivalries in League. Um, Massive ones. I don't know that a weekly smack talk show is, like, what <laughs> would create that. I think, I mean, just within Fortnite, there was kind of that new ruling. I say new. It was probably, like, two years ago at this point of, like, yeah. what you say on social media can be, like, also actioned against. And since then, I think we've seen a lot of players kind of retreat about how open and honest they are on social media about certain situations just because, yeah. like, it's not worth it for them just to get, you know, a few more views or impressions, but also risk the potential to lose their spot, let's say, in a grand final or something. 
So it's finding like that balance of allowing that shit talk to happen. And then also not being super strict in your action when it happens the first time. Right. If, if a line is crossed, just be like, okay, Hey dude, we saw what you put out. Let, let's nip that in the bud. Let's not go that far anymore. We, we understand that there's going to be some discussion and back and forth with players, but that's going to be where we draw our line and, you know, give, give them some, give them a leash, give them some rope that they can actually take that and have those discussions because how cool would it be if we had like one of the top NA teams, like let's say like Iamzo and Rise and then Taysen and Mustache are both landing at the same spot. They're likely not going to because they have the same coach. Makes no sense for them to do that. But let's use that example. They're all landing in the same spot. And then we see them go back and forth, smack talking on Twitter. And then you get buy-in from the NA fans. You get buy-in from the EU fans. You're like, dude, I got to watch Globals because I have to see who wins this off spawn. Like that just seems naturally like an awesome way to get people to care more because ultimately it's very hard to follow a team in Fortnite. But if you can at least kind of do this team versus that team, it makes it more simplified and easier to understand i think the other hard thing for us in the fortnite space specifically is the ability to swap teammates on a whim right you know as well as i do we've gone into fncs's not sure who's actually playing together because the week leading up to they swap teammates six times right yeah i think um i think there's a lot of potential in what could be set teammates for the year I think there's a lot of potential in that that could help grow the 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 space. It obviously wouldn't be the best decision for the players, if I'm being honest, right? Yeah. Uh, you would know as well as I know. Uh, I do. It wouldn't be great for them, especially if they're locking themselves into a situation which we kind of saw with Acorn and Cold, in uh, and I think it was between Major Two and Three. But um, it's it's definitely one of those things where uh, there has to be something that can be done, but no one's figured it out quite yet. And again, hopefully discussions like this spark an idea. Maybe a listener, somebody listening to the effing story is like, you know what? I have an idea that might make this work or, or I can make, uh, obviously not, not necessarily just influencing smack talk, but finding a way to create narratives between people. Um, I think if you took like a wee clutch up, right. And the style of those videos, shout out SVG on the voice. Um, and you take like a resub style of editing and you take the drama from the scene, like clips from streams where people are smack talking each other during two V twos and stuff like that and made content like that. It it could, it, it would do very well for the creator of the content, but it would also do well for the space because they're building narratives around the players. That's what we lack the most is we just don't like not enough people in the casual space have any kind of investment in players outside of maybe clicks um, and Savage. If I had to be honest, when, when we're talking just the pure casual side of things. Yeah. So you're saying we need the Fortnite guy back. No, Oh <laughs> God. No, um, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I've thought uh, about man. doing something similar, but like, I can't be asked to care about children's drama. And I think that's like, for adults like myself, a huge kind of barrier to caring about some of this because yeah. I think it was KXRR put out a stat that the oldest player playing at Globals is 22 years old. And most of the players are in their teenage years. So it's like, dude, I I don't care what children do. I like to watch Fortnite, but like the smack talk that they do is between them and i want nothing i don't want to be a part of it but hey like you said maybe there is someone listening it's like yes give me this i'm all yeah. about this give me all this drama listen if you're gonna take this idea i i 100 support it just don't spread misinformation that is my biggest pet peeve in the fortnite space and that was my biggest th uh, issue with um the fortnite guy and others is that they like use their platform to either spin stories that are damaging to players when part of the things that they're spinning are false, like, um, 
or they're using their platform to spread information for impressions and the wrong reasons and don't look at a full picture, right? Again, part of the full picture series is like most of the stuff that is put out on Twitter that it, by any decision Epic makes ever, no matter what, it has negativity and it's almost instant negativity without any kind of test support. Like I remember when the, when the conversation about Siphon was around, right? Uh, when Siphon first got removed, I was not a fan of it. But I raised the question, can this can this slow down the pace of the game, right? And because of, like, the phrasing of it, because it was positive, it wasn't like, okay, well, like, it wasn't like, dang, I hate Shifrin being removed immediately. Um, I got basically shit for it. And, and that's just, like, how it goes. And if you look back at that tweet, I never was like, I'm a fan of Siphon being removed. I literally just phrased it in a way that's like, do you think this could slow the way the gameplay works? Do, do, does this adjustment make difference? And, and that's the biggest problem is like, as a community, I feel like we reward the misinformation and just the hate and the negativity too much uh, before we take a moment and take a step back and think about things. So hopefully if somebody does take that idea, they run with it in a good way, not necessarily like super negative, uh, or or uh, try to spin narratives that are damaging to players. Because again, that was part of the problem. That or that was the biggest problem with the Fortnite guy, is that like I remember there was a Creo story, and in the Creo story he wasn't telling the full picture, and like he got in serious trouble. Like, and don't get me wrong, Creo wasn't perfect in the situ in the situation, but he manipulated a lot of the facts in the video. And at the time, Creo wasn't a big creator; he couldn't defend himself. So. so Let's um let's talk about some of this misinformation, disinformation stuff that goes around. I think the biggest one is we've had two teams removed from the FNCS Global Championship. They won't be competing in Copenhagen. We have a player that has to play as a solo because he has been removed. And I think this is a great example of what you just mentioned is there's a lot of immediate reactions, seeing players removed from leaderboards, seeing players removed from the ability to compete. And ultimately it's emotional. It's not based on fact. It's not based on like what's going on. It's players deserve this. They qualify. Nothing should change because nothing ever should change based on what I believe. And we saw a lot of people come out. And say, like, dude, let them play, like, all this nonsense. And if you guys are just listening and you don't necessarily know what I'm talking about, uh, it is in the rules that the players that have a residency, a sole residency in Russia, are ineligible for prizing for competing within Fortnite. This is nothing new. This was announced, I want to say, like, a month Last after. March. Yeah. Uh, over a year ago, a year and a half ago, right after uh, Russia invaded Ukraine and pretty much Fortnite was reacting to the sanctions that the U.S. government and NATO put on uh, Russian economic systems, which basically says, like, we can't pay Russian people as a U.S. based company. And there's a lot of other like it's hard for Russian citizens to travel outside of Russia right now. You need special visas. You need a lot of time to be able to do that. So it's been in the rules it, that these players are in, ineligible for prizing. And as part of the prizing, that is included the FNCS Global Championship qualification. So if you qualified to go to Copenhagen, you are ineligible for that prizing, and that's why these players ultimately got removed. So mm -hmm. then everyone freaked out. They're like, this is nonsense. These players went to different countries to play, and ultimately it's not where they play. Again, you can't play in Russia. If you play in Russia, then you're automatically disqualified, but yeah. you can't also be a resident of Russia because then when they try and get your documentation to get you to travel here, they're like, dude, you're a Russian citizen. We we can't help you here. Like this is based on political sanctions. There's almost nothing we could do unless we had like a year to, you know, nine months to be able to get a proper visa for that person. So a lot of things went on. You kind of shared something from Malabuka and then got into a whole discussion with Boop about, uh, it, let me just let you talk about what you and Boop were chatting of about. Of course. No, listen to start. Um, 
Uh, I respect Boop a lot and what he does for the community. I said this in my responses to him too. Uh, despite his uh, immediate, like, I don't know, like immediate criticism of me from the first tweet that he responded, uh, it was, um, it was definitely another example of misinformation. And I maybe I shouldn't have started my reply phrase uh, with Ah Boop, the king of misinformation, but. Um, Boop has been uh, kind of doing this for a while where he's very much pro player, right? Anything that has to do with the player, he will blindly kind of support, which in some ways I get it, right? He's a content creator. The support of the players around him is, is very, very important, right? But sometimes he does it at the expense of, um, of spreading misinformation and not providing a full picture, right? So uh, his argument to sum it up because it, they are very long tweets. And if you really want to look at them, you just go to the replies on life W pandas Twitter. Um, and so they're very long, but to, to sum it up, boop, uh, basically was like, this isn't fair to the players. They were paid out in major two. Um, they should be able to get at least paid out for their global winnings. Right. Which if you know anything about politics, uh, or just general business, uh, you can't pay out an opposing country in taxes during a war, right? U.S. is not on the side of Russia in the Russia-Ukraine war. It's just not the case. And so sanctions came down. Businesses can no longer work with Russian banks. So in, in light of this, uh, there were some players who adapted, right? Malabuka went out of his way, spent months traveling to get... Um, uh, citizenship, proper citizenship in Serbia so that he can collect on his earnings, right? Whereas others tried to, and maybe they they, they were given misinformation, um, not from Epic, to be clear, because it was very clear in the rules, but misinformation from community members that they could just travel somewhere else and be able to circumvent some of this stuff. And it worked in Major 2. They got a different bank account that wasn't Russian. Uh, and this is from what I can tell. And they went to a different location and had an address that was not Russian, right? So guess what? If you have a system that has checks and balances and checks the address location and the bank account and they're neither of them are Russian, it's going to pay out. Now, obviously, the other part of his discussion and his defense was, oh, well, they knew they were wrong. It's fine. We get the rules. But why were they paid out for major two and then not major three? It was like, and, and how could how could Epic of Epic's caliber not catch that they were Russian? Like, not catch that they were breaking the rules sooner is basically what the argument was. And number one, the problem with that argument is now you like the whole community has brought so much attention to it that Epic could be open to lawsuits and now open to having to get the money back from these players. That's number one, and that could cause huge problems for the players who spent all that money to travel got paid out some of it, right? And now may have to return it on top of losing all the money that they travel. Like, that's just a whole mess. Um, but number two, uh, part of this discussion is like, oh, they were they were basically told the day after they won Major 3 that they are disqualified from, from earning prizing or their global spot. And if, if you know as well as I do, um, when something happens or information comes to light, there has to be an investigation before any major business just assumes something, right? That's why a lot of times, like, uh, even in our experience, we've seen, like, cheaters in the game be able to play, like, multiple rounds before they're, like, officially caught because there ha there is a a round of, of checking that goes into it before they can be removed, right? Um, it's just how it goes. So I'm sure what happened is in the lead-up to the end of Major 3, Red flags were raised somewhere, right? So Epic starts an investigation, and, and and it could have been an internal review of Major 2's finances. It could have been a multi multitude of things that could have struck the, the investigation. And the investigation just happened to end in the weekend, either the weekend leading up to Major 3 or just after Major 3 had concluded, right? The grand finals. And so... Based on the investigation, they had to make their ruling immediate and definitive that they can't compete. And 
to be fair, no one should argue that they should be able to compete. They broke the rules. The rules have been clear since last year. And and based on everyone, or at least Boop's argument on this, okay, it's fair. They broke the rules, whatever. But like, if you're acknowledging that they broke the rules, you're acknowledging that they shouldn't be like competing. So I don't like he tried to to make it a, a again a bit of a narrative spin about um oh this is all about um well why did they get paid out for major two and not major three like that leads them because they got paid out for major two to believe that they should be able to compete in major three well guess what if they competed outside of the of russia in major two like they already at that point opened themselves up to it right well and they with- took that risk as large of a system as Epic Games has, it's probably just flagging certain routing numbers, which would then deem you ineligible for prizing. So, mm-hmm. like, a bank's routing number will tell you what bank you're sending the money to. And if it's one of the Russian banks that are under sanctions, it's probably flagged in the system, and then they can't pay them out. So, like you said, the players probably went around this system. And just to clarify, Swizzy and Putrick won Major 3, not Major 2. Yeah. Um, they- they won prizing in major two, which was paid out. Yes. And then they were not paid out for the prizing they won in major three, nor are they going to be going to global championships. So like, there's just a, a lot that could have gone on. And like, I am all for the players playing, like they are not involved in this system at all. Yeah. At no way are they at fault for the war happening for the sanctions happening. But at the same time, like this is just something out of Epic's hands, pretty much, as well as like something they've clearly stated in their rules. And if your only argument is I didn't read the rules, that is a terrible argument because that like that's just ignorance of what happened. And for me, I hate that Swizzy and Putrick played so well. They look so like good. they've been a team that could compete at the global championship. And I was really excited to see them play. So I'm gutted for the players as like people. Um, And ultimately like the whole situation sucks. Like it's because of a war. There's people dying. They could be way worse. We could be talking about people getting killed versus like, Oh, we, we don't get a chance to win millions of dollars. So there is kind of a whole, other side of this where like you do feel for the players but again you have to look at the facts of it and as much as it may suck like it is what it is this this is the ruling it's not gonna change and now hopefully this wakes up all the other players that want to compete and may be living in russia there are going to be now barriers to entry you cannot play as a russian resident you cannot compete from russia and even if you move that doesn't mean you're a resident in a different country. So, again, it sucks the fact that now there's this like massive cost for players, Russian players, to play Fortnite because now they need to move and then also find residency in a different country, which is probably not easy. But it's out on the table, and if any other excuses come up, like there's no reason that you could hide. Yeah, and and it, look, it is super unfortunate for the players. Um, and it's a super unfortunate situation. Like, I, I'm not sitting here arguing that it sucks for the players, because it does. But to sit here and, and, like, blame Epic for it is just, it doesn't make sense. It's not, like, Epic Games is not just like, yo, I don't want uh, Pootrick and them to play. Like, uh, I don't like them. Like, no, guys. Like, this is, a, it's way bigger than Epic as a company. So, no matter what the argument is, it is genuinely invalid, invalidated by the fact that this is a political issue. This is not uh, anything close to that. And and another uh, conversation starter is, or a conversation point that people had, and I think this is a fair one to talk about, is that um, some people just can't afford to up and move move their life right and and re uh, and become a resident of another place um in that way and and that makes total sense right there are now there are ways that you can do it and i'm not saying every russian fortnite player should go out there and and start an llc or or start a business of some sort get some funding move like do all this stuff like no right but if you're a a, a putrick right 
who just won a major three, right? The bit like the biggest FNCS of the year outside of global. And you have the potential to walk away with hundreds of thousands of dollars from an event. Like you definitely invest $20,000 to move somewhere else and get residency somewhere else. Right. Um, because you're leaving money on the table at that point. So I'm not saying, uh, and, and I like that discussion of like, not everybody is going to be able to do it, but a uh, Putrick, um, 100%, like that's an investment that you got to make. And, and it sucks, right? It, you, you shouldn't have to go through this because the country you reside in has decided to take on a war, right? Yeah. It's not fair to the players whatsoever. But at the end of the day, it, it, it is no one, there's no one that you can really blame. And I feel like that's why the easy shots win at, win at Epic. And it's like Epic is just like, the fuck do we do? Like, like we, it's, it's not their choice, but I, I get it. Right. Uh, and again, the weird argument to finish this off of, oh, well, they got paid for major two, so they should get paid for major three. No, like them getting paid out, it, it probably, like I said before, raised some serious red flags um, and now could cause serious issues for Putrick as well as Epic because they got paid out. So nevertheless, that's my rant. Respect Boop and what he does for the community with his maps and, and scrims. I just would wish that he would take a step back and before he openly attacks Epic being a, a very player focused guy. He looks at the full picture because that's one of those situations where it's like, he was going in on Epic's character. He was going in on my character for agreeing with Epic. And it's like, dude, it has nothing to do with agreeing with Epic. It has everything to do with opening your eyes and looking at what's happening in the world. Like, Epic didn't start the war in Ukraine, in Russia. Like, it, it's just, it's baffling to me. But that is what it is. Boop. Uh, get it together, man. Yeah, I feel like that's a very easy argument to take because... Epic's not going to come out and say anything. So, like, ultimately, you just you take the side of the players, and it looks like the fun, like, I don't want to say, like, well-played move on social media, but, like, definitely the favorable move just to be like, hey, you know, like, let the players play. There's literally no downsides to that. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Nothing. Like, that's the worst that happens from that. So whether or not he fully believes what he he puts on social media is a whole nother kind of discussion because there's a lot of easy talking points that I've seen creators throw out there. I've even fallen vic not victim, uh, fallen into that trap before of just throwing things out on social media that are easy discussion points because you know, it's like just a win-win. Um, anyway, let, let's get off of that. Uh, we are at about an hour. We could either wrap it up here or we could dive into globals for a little bit. What are you feeling, my friend? We can talk about globals. All right. Let, let's just give it a, a, a quick discussion. I don't want to go into – maybe if you want, you can pick prediction. I'm not going to put you on the spot for that. But the overall format, this is the first time we've ever kind of seen something like this for a LAN in Fortnite. And if you guys don't know, it is a three-day tournament. Day one is called the upper bracket. So that is all the teams that qualified through majors one, two, and three. They're competing and the top 25 teams advance to the finals. Then on day two, the lower bracket plays the bottom 25 teams from day one and all the teams that qualified from last chance major compete. And again, the top 25 teams advance to the final. So those teams on the last day, day three, play in the final and that's where all the prizing's given out. It's a six-day final format, which is very different. Typically, we see a two-day, six-games-apiece format. So I'm interested just to hear your thoughts. Like, what do you feel about this? I have my own, like, feelings pretty strongly about the format, but I I'm interested to hear how you feel. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks not seeing a, a two-day grand finals like we're typically used to, not seeing the 12 games played out uh, is... It's kind of, it sucks. I, I can't lie. But I also, like, looking at the full picture, uh, I get it. Um, and the Russia situation is the perfect example of why their format is the way that it is, right? It, for competitive integrity's sake, they couldn't invite teams that didn't qualify, right? 
So they had to make a format that, number one, didn't take kids out of school more than they had to, right? Because this is during the school year. And um, number two, they had to find a format that could allow for people not to make it into the country, right? And that's essentially what happened. So the two-day format um, basically allows for those those extra teams to qualify their way through, and that was all through Last Chance Major. And those Last Chance Major teams now um, basically fill the gap if anything breaks apart when it comes to visas or or travel restrictions like the Russia situation or anything like that. So, again, I get it. I still would have liked maybe throw uh, the two day finals on Saturday, Sunday, and then make two, uh, two qualifying days leading up to on Thursday and Friday. Like I think the format is cool, but the lack of 12 game finals does stink. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much along those same lines. I think it's really cool to have like a, a qual. I don't know. Like, so we played qualifiers already. And the fact that like now we're having to replay a qualifier right before the final is like questionable to me. I, I feel like if there was guaranteed prizing and there might be, we, we still don't know what the prizing is for globals, which also like what's going on. Why can we not know that anyway? I don't like playing two days of qualifiers and playing one day of a final it seems like the qualifiers then are more important based on only playing for one day versus uh, two days on the qualifiers. So like the format just leads me to say like, why have we played every other final style lobby one way? And then now we're changing it for globals. Like that doesn't make sense. We've done this for the past, however many years. Um, and I understand trying something new because ultimately it's going to be way easier for your average fan to follow. If it's just a single day, you don't have to come back the second day to figure it out. But for the players, I don't feel like that's a fair format. You've worked so hard to get to this point. A lot of teams go back after day one, VOD review, figure out their mistakes, figure out what other teams are doing and make great adjustments in our day two teams. I mean, we've seen a ton of great day two comebacks and we're going to miss out on that, which is unfortunate because those are some of the cooler storylines we ever see in Fortnite, whether or not they're discussed all the time. But I, I like the idea of almost like a seating, but I don't like the idea of, the seating lasting longer than the finals, I guess is like my biggest qualm with the entire thing. Yeah, it, it would be tough. I wonder how they would like, they would have to have two lobbies running if they were to do one day of seating and two day of finals, you know what I mean? Or it'd yeah. have to be a double day, you know, or what it's I mean? a four like day tournament or a four day tournament. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the only, the only thing I can say, right. Is like to your point specifically about um, like the VOD reviewing and, and whatnot the best chance these players have to VOD review is after day one. You watch all the VOD from day one, um, whether you're competing in it or not, and you get the idea of what these players are doing well, what these player mistakes these players are making, and you plan to implement whatever you can for the final day. That's the only option they have. Um, that's not ideal, but at least it's not like just showing up and doing one day of six games, right? Because that would just be rough. Um so I think there's still there's some value in in voting the the qualifiers. Um, obviously, pe- players can play differently out of qualifiers if they're confident that they're going to make it through and all that stuff. So that's definitely a separate discussion. Um, but to finish it off, uh, three teams that I think are going to place in the top ten: uh, Mer- or um, Malabuka, Thomas HD, Queasy Veno, Epic Whale, and, and Clicks. Calling it now. Okay, that Epic Whale one's kind of a. Uh... A strange one in my opinion although he is like a beast at land so you gotta gotta give him that little buff for that he's gonna come in much more confident than a lot of people um he's gonna that team is gonna surprise people i'm i'm almost positive i would like to be surprised by them it'd be good for the game yeah um the one so i really do like though the fact that there's kind of like a reward for players that qualified through majors versus the players that qualified through last chance so like i don't want to say the the format's totally bad it's definitely not and that's not what i'm saying i'm saying i have certain qualms with it and i think there's some good aspects if we just added a second day i don't know that i would really have 
anything to complain about if we played a two-day final format um, because I, I think it's cool. At the very least, the players that don't qualify to finals get a free trip to Copenhagen, get to experience this. And, yeah. I mean, we both know from speaking to players how much these moments and experiences mean and how big it is just to be able to go and hang out with your peers, talk to players, meet some players that you've may- maybe never met before, or even just hang out with some guys that you play video games with all the time but live in different places. So you get to like yeah. finally hang out in person. Plus, Copenhagen's a cool city. We've both been Very there cool. a couple of times. So that I'm is. To go back. Oh yeah, what do you what what should we expect from the Panda Man at Globals? Uh, so you already know I'm the stage host. Oh yeah, um, nice. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, guys. I'm <laughs> not. I'm not a part of the talent team that I know of. Uh, but I am actually going to be doing a bunch of content. So, uh, live live moments from the the stage and the stadium. Um, probably some live interviews. Uh, some pre recorded quick post to X interviews. Um, I'm also planning on doing a post show with some of the personalities that are going to be there as well. So you definitely keep an eye on Twitter uh, for all of that. That's where it's all going to live. Um, some of it might be posted to YouTube, but most of it will just live solely on Twitter. So definitely make sure to follow me for all of that. If you want like a different view uh, from home, that's definitely going to be the best way to do it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'll be watching along. I'll probably get some Twitter fingers at some point too, just cause I loved talking about Fortnite, but I will not be there. Um, Panda, let's wrap it up there. Uh, that's a, a great place to end. And uh, tell people where to find you. I think you've pretty much for the last hour told people what you're going to be up to for the next year. So uh, <laughs> if you have anything else, go ahead and shout yourself out. Uh, Twitter.com slash LifeWPanda. That's the best place to to communicate and, and conversate with me. Um, I'm pretty big on Twitter. Like I'm, or I'm pretty open on Twitter uh, and big personally on the platform. So if you ever want to have a conversation, I'm right there. If you ever want to watch the content on your TV, though, and you don't want to watch it on your phone or on uh, maybe on a desktop via Twitter with 720p, all the all the content is posted in 4K on YouTube at Life with Panda. So definitely go check it out. Appreciate you, SPG, for bringing me on. Anytime, bro. Anytime. Um, well, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate everyone listening at home, watching, wherever you may be. Uh, we're on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, as well as now being fully posted on Twitter or X. I don't know that that's ever going to feel right to not call it Twitter anymore. Uh, thank <laughs> you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. Feel free to leave a comment, review, reply, whatever it may be. If you have anything, hit me up on Twitter. You can shoot me a DM. Somebody's gone on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. Peace.